Today's episode is sponsored by the American Chemistry Council. Chemistry creates, America competes. Well, uh, the problem that we're seeing with Haiti, Jeremy, is that the country just seems unable to catch a break. We bring you some breaking news now. And Haiti's President Jovenel Moïse has been assassinated at his home in Port-au-Prince. We have a country that just recently, its president was assassinated pretty much in his bedroom, if not in his bed, with his wife next to him. Then uh, you had all the questions about political uncertainty. Haiti has declared a two-week state of emergency following the deadly attack on the president, giving the executive branch stronger powers to deal with what appears to be a worsening situation in the country. And then now you have an earthquake on top of that. More misery there after that 7.2 magnitude earthquake. Thousands are now homeless. More than 1,400 are dead. Hundreds more missing tonight. Families desperately searching the rubble for survivors with little government help. So the country is now in a very difficult, difficult spot. I'm Jeremy Siegel. This is Politico Dispatch. And today... It seems as someone who has been covering Haiti and and looking at it closely for almost two decades now, whenever something good seems to start happening in Haiti, the bad is never far behind. And we're seeing that now. John Yearwood on how a political crisis followed by back-to-back natural disasters are pushing Haiti toward the brink. What do we know at this point about the damage that's occurred in Haiti this week? Well, Jeremy, uh, we're not completely uh, up to date on all of the uh, the damage on the ground, partly because we're not getting a tremendous amount of that. Uh, the U.S. is there and others, but uh, we're not getting the sort of regular briefing that would give us a full picture. However, uh, what we do know is that uh, the 7.3 earthquake uh, happened on Saturday. This video shows the widespread trail of destruction. Homes and buildings reduced to rubble. Now, dozens of search and rescue teams are desperately digging through mountains of debris, looking for any signs of survivors. So far, uh, from what we understand, about 1,400 Haitians have been killed. Uh, Some 7,000 or so have been injured. Uh, The the U.S. has sent a search and rescue team. This morning, Haiti in despair after Tropical Depression Grace plowed through overnight. Rain and high-powered winds destroying these families' makeshift tents. Survivors drenched, clutching their belongings, attempting to save what they have left. The search uh, was halted for a time while uh, rescuers and certainly uh, Haitians who were helping uh, with their uh, rescue efforts uh, to cover. Uh, it wasn't the worst storm, thankfully, that we have uh, we have seen in Haiti, but there was deep concern about uh, severe flooding as well as mudslides uh, as a result of uh, as a result of the tropical depression. Now, areas of Haiti worst hit by Saturday's devastating earthquake have been flooded by heavy rains brought by a tropical storm. Aid workers had been rushing to the region before the storm hit. Now, uh, the depression has since moved on, and as I understand it, the search uh, has resumed. Uh, but at the same time, we are expecting the U.S. and others. Uh, and other countries to send more search and rescue teams in because uh, the teams that are in Haiti so far, uh, as we understand it, are inadequate for the task that's, uh, that, that's before them. 
can you explain for someone who's watching the aftermath of this earthquake and of this tropical depression and seeing the shocking death toll here, more than 1,400 people, a number that's expected to rise, all of these buildings destroyed. Can you explain a bit sort of about where this earthquake happened and and how it was able to be so destructive for the Haitian people. Yeah, and one of the things, Jeremy, when you think about it, Haiti uh, occupies the uh, uh, an island of Hispaniola uh, along with uh, the Dominican Republic. Uh, many people would probably tell you of the same uh, earthquake that happened uh, in the Dominican Republic. We probably would not have seen uh, the same type of damage, um, hmm. partly because uh, some of the homes there are more structurally sound, etc. In Haiti's case, it happened in uh, in a part of the island that's down south. Uh, southwest uh, Haiti, where, again, uh, many of the the homes were not necessarily built to withstand earthquakes. If it were closer, I would think, to the capital, many of the buildings in uh, Port-au-Prince that were destroyed from the 2010 earthquake have been uh, rebuilt much more solid uh, to withstand withstand earthquakes. But... um, what we've seen in uh, in Southwest Haiti is that uh, many of the homes are, you know, have been built, uh, you know, in 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 ways that, um, in some of them, can barely withstand a strong um, hurricane. So uh, that that one of the reasons why we've seen so many buildings damaged, so many people killed, so many people injured. You referenced the earthquake that happened in Haiti in 2010. It's being called a catastrophe of major proportions. The Caribbean island nation of Haiti has been rocked by its biggest earthquake in more than 200 years. That was just devastating, killed an estimated 200,000 people. Um, And keeping in mind, Haiti is already the poorest country in the Western Hemisphere. It's still recovering from that previous quake. And then on top of that, in July, there was the assassination of the country's president, the investigation into which is still ongoing. I mean, how do you take stock of the layers of difficulty when there's an earthquake, torrential rain, and already a political crisis? I think that's that's a really deep concern. The fact that the country is, in effect, without uh, a leader. I mean, uh, they they have scheduled elections, I believe, for November. Uh, you've got uh, one prime minister who's um, in charge right now. After uh, another one was um, was replaced um, a, a few weeks ago, a few days after the assassination. So, uh, the the country is in still some kind of uh, political turmoil. And and I and I think that is affecting what we're seeing um, on the ground in Haiti because, as it relates to this earthquake. Because if you are looking at the various governments around the world, particularly even in the region, they're looking for you know strong leaders in which to communicate with them about what's happening on the ground. But um, you know you've got someone who's more than likely going to be out of office maybe in the next uh, three, four, five months. So. It, the, it, the situation there is really precarious. And uh, and, and in the midst of that, uh, you have certainly, as you mentioned, the assassination and uh, political turmoil comes this earthquake. And some people have said 
understandably, that Haiti just can't get a break. And there have also been reports of, of escalating gang violence following the assassination, right? Yeah. And one of the things that, that we have heard, though, is that the gangs who are in the southwest part of the country, they have not been attacking the convoys that are taking uh, food to the southwest, mm. which is a, a good thing. But uh, that area, you're right, is plagued with uh, a number of gangs. And that was a really serious concern after the quake. Will they al- allow uh, a lot of the humanitarian assistance to get through? Our understanding so far is that uh, many of them are getting through. Mm. As someone who has been covering Haiti for years, who is in Miami right now, you're right by the little Haiti neighborhood in that city. You've been tracking the fallout from this disaster, how the U.S. and other countries are helping with the response. How are you thinking about what comes next here and how the country can recover, especially when you think about everything it's dealing with? And as you said, kind of the fact that it can't get a break. Well, I think the one of the, the key things is how can the situation on the ground in Haiti be stabilized. There was a, a tremendous amount of uncertainty going into this election coming up later this year. Now you have this earthquake that uh, a government at some point that comes in is going to have to, in effect, uh, clean up. So uh, there, there are really big problems that Haiti is facing. And, and the question becomes, you know, which government, which country, which organization, the UN, uh, uh, who is going to work with Haiti in helping to solve these problems. And uh, a number of people are asking that, and that's, you know, that's one of the things that I think about uh, when I look at what's happening on the ground. As you, as you know, and I was deeply involved in covering the 2010 earthquake on the ground. It was an um, all-hands-on-deck sort of effort, uh, big effort on the part of the U.S., the U.N., governments around the world. Um, I don't see all of that happening at this point, but um, you know, we shall wait and see. John Yearwood, thanks so much for talking with me. You're quite welcome. Also, today, the nation's top election officials are calling for more stringent guidelines for post-election audits as supporters of former President Trump continue to relitigate his defeat in 2020. At the summer meeting of the National Association of Secretaries of State, secretaries voted nearly unanimously this week to approve a series of recommendations for post-election audits on everything from a timeline to chain of custody of election materials that are aimed at reviews similar to the one in Arizona. The guidelines, which were first shared with Politico, come as Trump supporters push for even more post-election reviews after he narrowly lost several states to President Biden and as Trump himself continues to lie about the election, claiming there was widespread fraud. And Twitter is testing a new feature that allows users to report misinformation directly to the company, marking the first phase in a broader campaign to root out lies and misleading content on the platform. Twitter plans to review user reports and remove tweets that violate its policies against misinformation. The company will also gather data from the reports in order to learn more about what kinds of untrue conversations are cropping up on the platform. Facebook has already allowed users to report misinformation and fake news for several years. YouTube, meanwhile, lets users report spam or misleading content, but doesn't specifically 
have a misinformation category. Today's episode of Politico Dispatch included music composed by Breakmaster Cylinder. Be sure to subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. And if you can, leave us a rating and review. I'm Jeremy Siegel. Thanks for listening.